0: Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw.
1: And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia.
0: We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way.
1: Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today... Oh, we're going to cover a multitude of things. Many things. Yes, will be covered. Yes. <laughs> uh, today we got Beth Hammond in the studio. Beth. Hi,
2: nice to be back.
1: Yes, we we uh, discussed and found out it's your third time back.
2: Yep, it's true. We're a uh, we. Sh- yeah, it, it feels we like get... such an honor. Right? <laughs> How many people we... do you ask back like three times? You know. Uh, I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head, actually. <laughs> this is this is why you. you... I will
1: say you're rivalling. Tim Mooney. Now Tim Mooney by far has had the most guest spots. Mm-hmm. But that's cause just anytime. Well, he's and at in that town, point you should just be putting into work. A-
2: <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. going in, Tim. You run the show. Here's the board. Here. Here's the headphones. It fits Here's in your microphone. backpack. Just go. Call me when you're done. We'll go have lunch.
0: For uh podcast of Palooza, we just like text him the key code. Five minutes before the ride starts, be like, oh, you, buddy. Here All you uh, go. We'll go get ya. the equipment. Okay, You're on. Bye.
2: Oh, man. He's a serial sprocketeer. Don't ever do that to me, or I will crash the internet. Seriously.
1: He's, uh, he's like our, uh, I guess, our Steve Martin. Or, I guess, you know, that... Does he play banjo? No, but whenever SNL needed a uh, a host, mm. they would always call Steve Martin. This was, like, back in the day. I often... So... We talked a little bit about age before we were recording. Yeah. And I often make references that are way before my time.
2: Do you have older people in your family who help you remember this stuff? Like institutional memory? I grew up in a small town where we only had um,
1: reruns, you know, as opposed to like, you know, actual programmed television for a long time. did you
2: grow up in like northern Idaho or something?
1: (laughs) Southeast Michigan. Okay. Okay. (laughs) In the flatlands, yeah. I don't know that I've ever
2: been there. Wow.
1: You would know, or maybe you wouldn't, because you might
2: blink. I grew up on one coast. I I was born on one coast and grew up on the other. I, the only thing I know about Middle America are the places I've visited there. Which you've done a lot. A fair amount in the last ten years, but we'll we'll talk.
1: Yes, because. Middle America seems. But before you before you cover things, you should probably
2: cover whatever was uncovered last time. What
1: has what have we left uncovered, or what is still covered that we need to uncover? Oh, I don't know. This guy two weeks worth of
0: something. Yes. What were you up to? I've got I've got some news I want to share. Yeah. Catch us up, Aaron. We
1: we mentioned. I think I've mentioned this a few times. Like like this could be a possibility happening, but it's for sure happening now. That my niece is going to be staying with me for some of Pedalpalooza. Pedalpalooza. And we will be building her a bicycle. Nice. Mm, very so, nice. Listeners, open to whatever suggestions you have for like an eleven year old's first bike. Call back.
2: Oh, hello. Talk <laughs> to me when we're
1: done. Yes. Oh yeah.
2: Come over, come over to Beth's Bicycle Brain Trust. And I oh, can yeah. help you, right? Yeah. Of course. Of okay. course.
1: There we go. Okay. never mind, listeners. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. I'm open to any and all advice. I've built a few bikes in my lifetime. I've never built a bike for someone else though. Oh my gosh. We'll talk. This will be really fun. Yeah. And she's going to, she's going to come and like help build this. This is a a very hands-on experience. I'm so excited though, because she is going to be here for like some of the best rides of Pedalpalooza. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Is she excited about the bike building process?
1: Yes, quite. And so here's the thing is, it took me a while. I mean, when she's an 11-year-old girl, and I'm very much not. <laughs> uh, and, and so it, it took me a while. Like I'm like, well, what well, kind of bike do you radio, want? You know, so, just, I mean,
0: people yeah, might not know.
1: Okay. Well, spoiler alert, if you ever meet me in real life, I'm not an 11-year-old girl. Um. So, if that's what you're picturing when you hear my voice, you're going to be very surprised. Spoiler
2: alert: He looks like he's 21.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I'm almost double that, but what? Yeah,
2: yeah, no, yeah, yeah, gosh,
1: yeah. Talk about like, yeah, not not Crazy. feeling your age. Yeah, it's yeah. just
2: a number, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just a number when
2: they stop asking for your ID. I
1: look I look younger mm. than I am, but I make references older than I am. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but anyway, she's coming. I, I want to build her like a a hardtail, um, non suspension uh, mountain bike, mm-hmm. possibly um, something of, of that. You know, with twenty six inch wheels because she's of the shorter stature. Yeah. Currently. Do you have a this frame? is this is my snag that I keep running into? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I have part of a frame. We're going to talk to somebody (laughs) after the show. We might get a frame later. It
2: might happen.
1: (laughs) Cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then
2: whatever it is, you're going to have to ship it back with her, right?
1: Yes, but she lives in Missoula, Montana, which is- Okay, well, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's like an eight-hour drive. She could take it on the train. And mom and dad come come to visit quite often. Right,
2: but but it's 10 bucks to take a bike on the train, right? That's true, yeah. It's not bad. Oh.
1: Maybe we'll ride the train together. (gasps) Train, bike. And then bring (gasps) my bike- because it's roll-on service on the Cascade Cruiser, nice, or not the Cascade Cruiser? What is Here it? we there. are
2: writing your summer vacation for <laughs> right? you, right?
0: Cascade.
1: What is it? What is it? There's
0: Shit, the, the Coastal Starlight and the... the
2: Empire Builder. Is, is it? it? It's not the Empire
1: so, Builder yet. Yeah, well, it, it changes to the Empire Builder at one point. In so
2: that. it it's the Coast Starlight, mm-hmm. and then if you take it, it goes over to Spokane, and you're there at like two thirty in the morning. And then it hooks up with the rest of it and becomes the Empire. That's building, when it becomes which oh, starts okay. in Seattle, stops to pick up this 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 tail end, which is you and me in Portland in Spokane, and then it continues eastward through Glacier and
1: Where down. did I get Cascade Cruiser from? I don't know. It sounds cool. <laughs> it sounds cool. I careful, actually I know, gonna I know exactly what the Cascade Cruiser is. It's it's a uh, it's a bus. I was gonna say be careful you you're gonna end up building a, you yourself a car. Know. No,
2: no, no, no. No, no. Not no, not. no. No.
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh how's how's life, Guthrie? It's good. What have oh, you well, been up to? Yeah. What have I been up I've, to? You survived film by bike. Yeah. yeah. It was it was you a know, good year this year. Yeah. There was a lot of good films this year.
0: Yeah, I think so um i it's always interesting seeing things on the big screen there's so much work that goes into making that moment happen uh mm-hmm. that sometimes you just it's really nice to sit back and be like oh yeah this is really cool and it's even cooler than i thought it would be because it's huge and there's all these people kind of joining and, and sharing in the, yeah. this experience um i thought the programming was really really great this year and um really enjoyed the flow and just that theater experience. It just reminded me of like, yeah, get getting into uh, getting into a room together, and yes. watching watching bike films. So, uh, a lot of diversity in the lineup this year. A lot of stories being told. A lot of kids. Yeah,
1: a lot of kids on film on yep. bikes. A lot I of thought kids. that was I thought that was really encouraging.
0: Yeah, definitely. There was a very 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 widespread. Um, like cycling. I like to think of um one of the goals is like representing what cycling can be over like multiple demographics and. Uh, age groups, and et cetera. And I think that the spread of the, like, breadth of what was in the festival this year was uh, possibly the greatest it's ever been, so.
2: Plus, the quality of the filmmaking has been going up gradually year by year as well. Yeah. And just you know, production values are, you know, everything mm-hmm. is cleaner and tighter for a lot of the entries
0: now too. Yeah, definitely. That's the case. Um, also, we had the Oregon Filmmaker Showcase on Sunday for this year, so that was really nice to kind of, like, have some old some new some um, of our local filmmakers represented as well so yeah it was it was a busy weekend but it was a really rewarding weekend as well so that it's it's kind of funny cuz like i feel like uh yeah what is it sunday ended and then i like went straight to work the next morning so i'm i'm like i'm like i'm like still processing it i guess i'm like, oh yeah that was two weeks ago god that was two weeks ago like shit (laughs) wow (laughs) time really does are are you so
2: overloaded that you know you're you're back at work walking into walls or what
0: uh no not walking into walls um i might attempt to walk into a wall (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's see
1: you're trying to pull a david copperfield what's a david copperfield Oh. this is another reference that might have been a, a little... maybe uh, go a little later. The, the David magician, Blaine, the magician, not, okay. not the not oh, the okay. David, not the Charles Dickens. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you, you know who this...
2: David Blaine is though. Yeah. You've yeah. heard yeah. of him, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, this is yeah. before David Blaine. Okay, right. David
0: Blaine is like after my time.
2: Yeah, David. David <laughs> Copperfield is before your time, okay. and um, he made all the little girls cry because he had crazy, oh, sexy, curly hair. Yeah, oh. blink, blink. Yes, gotcha.
1: Do you remember though when he tried to walk through the Great Wall of China? <sighs> <laughs> did it not?
3: Oh,
0: so no, it is to happened. make like the, well, uh, <laughs> the Statue of Liberty disappear. Yes, and... he's that dude. Yeah, yeah, okay. He's that I know, guy. I know who yeah. that name it's did like, sound familiar. his
2: stuff's a little less fatal than say evil Knievel okay, Okay. Okay. Yeah. A yeah. little less dangerous.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, no no walking into walls or through walls. Um Yeah, just uh been been keeping keeping busy kind of deal. And then this past weekend was really nice because I went on a bike overnight for well a bike double overnight for the first time in like years oh yeah it's, Where did you it's go? actually been over a year since i've done a bike camping trip and i was like what the hell has happened this um
1: this reminds me
2: work adulthood well, and responsibility <laughs> uh well they just, get in the way
0: not even that necessarily just like being pretty pleased with commuting around portland like sometimes you know i've been riding my bike every day it's that, a nice place to ride yeah, a bike nothing i about do it that's changed yeah um, where'd you go Went out to stubb Stewart State Park, mm. and that was actually the first time I have stayed in the park. Uh, they have the Brook Brook Creek campground, uh-huh. which is sort of like a, a quarter mile hike in. And usually, I like to stay in Vernonia because they have a nice um, little like park there. And
1: um, oh, and the park's like near a river, right? Yeah, the or, park's right yeah, on. It's yeah. actually the
0: confluence of two rivers, That's right. I believe. Um, and that's like usually where I stay, but what I ended up doing was last Friday, because uh, we had the long weekend, I, um, after work, decided to take the max out. So I got started, like, I started pedaling in earnest at about 7.30 or 8 p.m. Ooh. And then I was... That's a late start. Well, yeah, there's you still know, plenty of light then. There is, yeah. And w- the light died just about as I got to the rails-to-trails section of it, so it was kind of timed perfectly. Um, and then the rest of it was kind of like wandering through basically like pitch black but there was nobody there which was really nice so i i always really like biking at night and i was just trying to like balance the enjoyment of that against our talk about like cougars and other stuff (laughs) so i mean like i'm not necessarily scared but i'm also not necessarily like gonna let my guard down if i'm if i'm like solo so they had a sign posted at the park which said the last sighting was um they always have
2: that yeah, yeah, well, it was no, October it, of
0: 2018, so I figured I'm probably okay. It,
2: well, if you see that they've changed the date with tape. <laughs> yep.
0: Absolutely. What I did is uh, I had my... So I have a dynamo, and the dynamo works great while you're moving. But I was thinking, well, like, oh, if I stop and something happens, then what do you I won't do? have a dynamo because yeah. I won't have any light. So I got my headlamp, and then I just had it on, like, a little red beam setting. And I was able to, like, sense out a couple of raccoons, and there was one deer that crossed yeah. my path. So you see the lights and you like hit it on high beam real quick. Like, Oh, it's a deer. Cool. We're good. And like, turn it back down low and just keep biking. Um, But yeah, it was really nice. It is kind of interesting doing that trail because I've done it so often in the daytime, your sense of time and space gets a little bit warped when it's dark. um, And you're, you're really just focusing on like how the bike feels and what's directly around you, the sounds, the smells, and also uh, just that sensation. So I really enjoyed it because I feel like it, I feel like I'm often very in tune with my bike, but it kind of brought like a whole nother level to that. Yeah. Cuz I didn't necessarily have to worry about like falling um, off a trail or about people passing me. Like I could focus just on the action of pedaling uh, with no repercussions. Like all
1: of their
2: distractions are yeah. taken away.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um so it I actually
2: got, sounds delightful. It was super nice.
0: Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. Um I had a, I had a really good time. The campsite itself was actually pretty unful for the weekend. I had expected it to be super booked, so I got up to Stub Stewart at like 10:30 p.m., had camp set up by 11:15 or so. And then ended up doing um just kind of like a day in the tent for the second half of Saturday cuz it rained pretty hard, but I brought that Salmon Rushdie book up and oh nice. ended up finishing, so that was nice. Oh, and I uh, got cool. to start another book, so it it was it was like that vacation that like you don't know that you need until you're out on it and then you're like oh, fuck, this is totally what I (laughs) needed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, roll back in. I came in a day early, so I could kind of have a day in town to recollect on Monday, and that's
1: super So with it being Memorial Day weekend, was it all that crowded?
0: Not really. I mean, not for the hike-in. Oh, okay. There were were people about, like, it is interesting. I feel like bike touring, and if you're on, like, a hiker bike site, the vibe is very different than if you're on, like, a hike-in site or a walk-in site. Um, In a more general capacity, like, people... And this is not always my experience, but at this spot, like pretty much stick to their own. Uh So you might have somebody who's like 15 feet away from you in a tent, you know, at the other campsite. And everybody's trying to like somewhat ignore each other because they're out on their weekend kind of deal. And then like the person I am is like, oh, well, what are you doing? Like, what what are you planning on going? So like I try not to talk or engage too much if that's not what people are like into. It's like, yeah, I respect that you want to be doing your thing. Isn't it also just kind of weird that we literally spent six hours right next to each other and didn't say <laughs> anything, though?
1: So the last time Anna and I were at Stub Stewart, there was mm-hmm. a dude, after we had gotten set up and we're, like, making our dinner. And the fire pit's there. Mm-hmm. There's just Did two do- for the whole hiking, yeah. biking mm-hmm. spot. So mm-hmm. you're sharing oh. a fire pit. Yeah. and And that's, like, that's part of the beauty of it, too. Like, it does force you to, like, build some sort of community. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so... This guy came in like after we had like just got the fire started and getting ready to like do our our cooking mm-hmm. and came in set up his tent and we were like half expecting him to like come over do whatever didn't didn't mm-hmm. see hide or hair of him like after the tent was set up. Mm-hmm. Next morning got up tent was gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I suddenly have this, just- this 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 idea of the guy sitting eating ravioli cold in the can inside right? his tent oh, yeah. as quickly as possible so he could sleep and then be gone hmm. this is you the know, best time maybe, of my life <laughs> or, or, or he's on an extended trip and he has to be somewhere oh okay like yeah. they're waiting for him in the next town you know like somebody's waiting for him in hood rivers right no whatever Gotcha.
0: gotcha yeah there's definitely some folks there was like one couple on bikes that I think they might have driven up and then like biked in because there's all those like riding trails that are around the park. Um, so I like kind of uh gave them like the nodder, so to speak. I, I counted the words that I spoke that weekend and it was four. Wow, <laughs>
2: so, until... you know, there are people that pay thousands of dollars to go on silent meditation retreats oh, yeah. for just I this hate purpose. Those! <laughs> go for go for
1: <laughs> I, some I was vipassana. On, I was on one, <laughs> I hate you. went? It. I Really? It was part of work for a job that I was oh doing. Oh, my gosh. They sent me on, on one where mm. you spent a whole day. Well, every day until 10 a.m. you was spent in, in quiet meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, you go about your morning routine. So, like, while you're eating your breakfast, you know, it sitting like with other people. Sounds like the seventh circle of hell to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, and,
0: I like both sides of
1: it. I, like, so, I can get after down a while, day. I started to crack. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: What did and, you like Twitch and make funny noises? <laughs> all but
1: Ooh. my, uh, my, how this manifested itself was, uh, writing stuff down to try to get other people to crack. Mm. And, and make noise yeah, i know <laughs> this is so terrible that's, that's ruining, not it for
2: fair.
0: <laughs> ruining it for everybody you're like pointing out your knee like making exaggerated pained, like faces well, like what's wrong Oh, you talked you know you what it is it. if it. it had been
2: on your time i don't think you would have done that hmm. oh, but since somebody not. else had paid for it it was maybe. like oh whatever <laughs> maybe yeah it's not it's <laughs> not my four hundred dollars you were describing this and i'm thinking the only way this could be worse is if you're at some like vegan retreat center where my only choices are beans and kale.
1: No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> um, but so this was building up to uh, the last day of the retreat where it was just totally silent. And yeah, that was when like, I just w- couldn't take much. Huh. I think I, I drew a picture of a toaster. I had this, I had this uh, habit of drawing pictures of inanimate objects and then the inanimate objects saying like a just a total non sequitur and so i drew a picture of a toaster and the toaster was saying i love a man in uniform hm. and then i just would like place it in various places just to <laughs> try to get people to crack <laughs> oh. i'm sorry it's fine. No. <laughs> whoever whoever cracked out uh, that uh, yeah. whoever you- was running that that retreat i apologize do, do you work for these re- people anymore no i do not oh good thing okay <laughs> i i will say i'm very close with these people or with that's okay but it's still, not that's but, a different yeah. relationship yes exactly yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah i feel like i feel like i could go either way on that yeah. i really enjoy the intentional <laughs> quietness uh like sometimes one just has to sit with their thoughts yeah. in life and there are a few better ways to do that than in like just quiet contemplation i guess uh that's not always productive or what's good for a person i feel but when it's sought out intentionally it can be nice Mm. uh and on the flip side of things it's really nice to strike up conversations and meet people and cook dinner together and that kind of jazz too Mm -hmm. so i I feel like i go both
1: ways you had me up until meet people oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) well wow
0: i mean if they rolled up on some bikes you wouldn't say hi
1: Okay, I probably would actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Tell me about your bike. Right, yeah. but then, yeah, yeah. then first, it's about the bike. Yep. When my wife and I go walking places, because she's been with me forever, and didn't know anything about bikes other than how to ride one before we met, and now it's like, oh, is that a, is that an AW three speed hub, honey? Why yes, honey. I mean, my heart is swelling pride, right. <laughs> it's Like, oh yes. But you know, she's she's a ferocious introvert. Um, she says, oh, I'm an ambivert. I'm like, yeah, in a room of five or less, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. come on. But there's, there is that
1: kind of like, uh, maybe not extrovert, but a kind of introvert that really thrives and like, comes out of their shell when there is a small group yeah, like that. Totally.
2: The older <laughs> we get, the smaller the group gets. And that's true oh, yeah? for a lot of people. Hmm. Uh, what, what I, I, I have learned from talking to my in-laws, um, who still bless me with their presence in the world. Um. 1 is 80 the other will be 88 and they both tell me that their and they both right tell on. me that their tolerance tolerance for size of group has gradually shrunk mm. over the years as they get older they find that either because of hearing issues or because it's hard to pull out conversation in a room mm. full of conversations totally. and that's that's a physiological thing we all have difficulties with that as we yeah. get older but but it's the whole you know there's. I'm expending so much energy on just trying to figure out how to be in this place with you know 40 people. It's like about 35 too many, mm-hmm. and I need to. I need to dial it back. Yeah, and just calm it down. And it's good to be aware of that, you know, and just know that going in, so that okay, if I have to be here, where's the quiet room? Mm-hmm. Where's the padded room? Where's the backyard? Okay, good. It's also um.
0: Like I'm pretty soft-spoken, so if you get larger than a group of five people, it's like, well, I'm just gonna give up talking after about five minutes because ah. yeah. all I'm doing is repeating myself
2: or leaning <laughs> so close that it's kind of intolerable for all both right. of us. I took Liz to, um, I took Liz to Clark Lewis several years, a number of years ago for her birthday. I'd saved up for months. Clark Lewis is very great food, amazing, oh, yeah? amazing food. It's it's a very expensive restaurant. You, you know, reservations is like one of the few restaurants in Portland that take so. reservations. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Th- this is the, the little quirk the New York Times loves to hate on. Uh, um, that no don't you people reservations? take reservations? <laughs> what is your problem? But, no, but we're not we like in the East Coast. Like, I, that's now, come on, man. Just stay there. Okay? Just sit. Stay. Woof. Um, but I took her there. And this has to have been eight or ten years ago now. And it was her birthday it was so loud that we could not hear each other in conversation at a table for two oh, because wow. the rafters were all exposed mm. and the whole place was like lincoln hall 75 at portland mm. state it was a giant bathtub echo chamber filled with concrete everything echoed we couldn't we could barely hear our waitress describe where the chicken had grown up so I mean, this was
1: this was a question of um maybe looking at aesthetic more than more this than utility was, they wanted
2: us to enjoy their very nice food and then leave because you know because if someone else coming. has reservations hey, if you're lingering yeah. that means somebody else isn't sitting at that table making an order <laughs> right. it's like really hmm. so <sighs> the thing
0: is yeah. don't maybe go there
2: no i am saying go <laughs> oh, okay. there but be prepared But
0: bring earplugs
2: i would say bring noise high end noise cancelling earphones All that right. still allow the mid range to come through and then you just read each other's lips and you'll be fine nice um, yeah. but for us, we just get Thai food to go um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: excellent uh, <laughs> yeah i'm i'm i can, i feel yeah on the Thai food to go <laughs> uh yeah it was it was a good two weeks <laughs> it's thur- Thursday already back in here again, and uh yeah. looking forward to. The next, what, three days? Four days? When does it turn over into the magical June 1st?
1: Yeah, it's coming Saturday. up. Saturday. Okay. Two days, my friend. Nice. I'm going to get it's my rent paid. paid. <laughs> I'm going to get my bike ready. Then I'm going to go pedal palooza and, and, well, n- slightly, slightly as good as pedal palooza. Sorry, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Anna arrives in Portland for permanent now. Nice. Yes.
2: Like forever? Basically?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, forever mostly? Forever mostly. She Yay. also applied to another to another flight attendant position with another company I won't I won't mention as of yet. That could end up sending her elsewhere. But it's a very it's a very good company. So, I I yeah. I appreciate her ambition. But at, she's in Portland come June 1st for permanent for Ooh, yeah. at least for a long time.
0: I'm, I'm guessing this unnamed airline company has some pretty swell places to check out
1: as oh, well. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. I a lot of them are. up and down the West Coast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. So <laughs> not impossible.
1: No.
0: Cool. Well, uh, I guess we didn't come here to just hear us gab about our last two weeks. <laughs> I mean, we No, could. but you guys I are mean, pretty entertaining. <laughs> you kind of did. Um, Beth. Hi. <laughs> um, tell us what you've been up to lately. Oh my gosh. What, what have you, what How have you are done since weeks? the last episode? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Okay. So well
0: open to interpretation.
2: Wow. Well, since the last time I saw you, Aaron, uh, in here, the studio. Oh, you, in
1: the studio. I mean, since the, the last we, time it I wasn't I was, even the studio. Oh was no. It? No. Yeah.
2: I love this, this airstream thing. This is so hip. It's
1: pretty cool. Um
2: the last time, stream PDX. since, since the org. last time I was on the show, I've made another album and uh, I right brought it in front of us. I brought a copy a for the fellas. The yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still doing Jewish themed folk acoustic, but it's getting less and less specifically Jewish as I write more songs and more and more personal and, you know life, history, issues, baggage, and how we let go of it, human stuff. Hmm. You know, the the Jewish influence is still there, and I suspect always will be, but, I mean, more and more I'm writing songs in English now, and I'm just not even bothering with the Hebrew. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless I get a commission from a synagogue that says, would you please set this prayer text in Hebrew to your music, and we'll pay you.
1: But even then, you're not... Writing in quotes. I'm in not, Hebrew. I'm
2: using a text they provide yeah. from the prayer book and I'm setting it to new music. That's a song commission and yeah. I do get those. But when I'm just doing like singer songwriter stuff, more and more I'm writing for me and not so much for communities I hope to play for. Okay. So yeah. now I'm just saying stuff. Um. Uh, let's see. Um. Uh, golly. Uh Liz and I will celebrate really? <laughs> Holy cow. We've been a couple when you make this realization. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, what? I've, I've, um I've Liz and I have been a couple a for eighteen scale. years and we will nice. celebrate sixteen years of marriage in awesome. August. Um we are gonna go spend a week and in Mendocino. Uh, as part of our little celebration, because nice. her folks live down there, and so we always do little side trips and stuff.
1: I was going to say you've been to Mendoc- Mendocino oh, quite a bit. Oh, almost every year. Yeah.
2: Um, it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. And if you if you go there, skip the quaint little cute matching building village stuff, and just go right out. Just walk along the headlands, take a sack lunch, and just park yourself on a rock, and just stare at the ocean. There's yeah. nothing like it anywhere else. It's gorgeous. Um. So, uh, yes. Wow. Married 16 years. I, when I married, I didn't think I would ever be capable of sustaining a relationship with anyone for that long. And now <laughs> here we are. It's crazy. It's crazy what can happen if both people are willing to do the good work of relationship. You know, it's great. It's amazing.
1: At the and risk of hijacking the conversation. Go ahead. It's your show. <laughs>
2: your show. It's, it's, yeah. Your music. I mean, right. We're,
1: we're just the host, but it, you know, the, but guest, go. the guest is. Um, so what would you say is
2: like one of the hardest lessons to learn? In a long-term relationship? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yes. I think there are two. Number one. And I say and this I with think, with some right, wincing. No, no, don't wince. Don't wince, Aaron. <laughs> it, you're you're a friend say? and oh, I adore you. What am I gonna have to No. Well, this is not an okay. indictment. You're asking me <laughs> for my experience. Yes. You yes. want to self-indict, that's on you. <laughs> um Wow. <It's>, it, <laughs> yes, it is. yes, it is. Everybody Everybody yes. grows up with their own flavor of guilt. Yes. <laughs> um I would say that there are two really important lessons that I have had to learn. One You're not going to make the person you love change to be more like what you dream they will be like. They're going to do things that annoy the crap out of you. They're going to do things that appear to be somewhat self-destructive and self-defeating. And you can't stop them from doing it because that's part of the whole isness of that person that they come with. And you can't, you don't get to cherry pick your spouse. You don't get to just take the the bits you like and leave the rest behind. It doesn't work like that. We're all flawed, incomplete human beings stuck in this wingspan called the body. It's a whole package deal. And it's a package deal. Okay. Um, And so part of it is learning that you can't, you know, too many people go into relationships thinking, I'll change them. I'll help them over this hurdle. Well, what if you don't? <laughs> what if that hurdle remains? Yeah, Do you yeah. still love that person with the hurdle? Cuz I'll tell you they brought that hurdle with backpack straps. They brought it with them. They're not putting it down. You can't make them. So the first thing you well, have if you're to learn, at a point in your life where you're like
1: making long-term commitments like that, chances are that person has had that hurdle for a number of years already.
2: So, but that hurdle can look like anything. I mean, yeah. how many look there's there's a lot of truth to the idea that we marry people who resemble our parents or <laughs> we marry people who resemble their parents and not always in a great way okay
1: you mean resemble the person's parents yes yeah okay that makes, okay yeah
2: because I'm tracking. because our parents like it or not our parents come to inhabit us in very profound and particular ways and sometimes they're visible My hands look exactly like my mother's, down to the wrinkles, the shape, and the size, and everything. Um, I have my father's smile. I inherited some DNA from both of them that has to do with music, because they were both nightclub musicians when they met. My mother was a visual artist who studied fashion design, so I got some of the crafty gene, too. But I inherited my father's spilkis, which today they would have diagnosed as ADD, and they would have given me Ritalin. Okay, Spilkus is the Yiddish word for ADD. Um in those days I just got sent out to play a lot. Um I inherited I inherited my mother's depression and the doom and gloom moments that come with that. Because those things I mean, we all inherit things from our parents. We also inherit things from our ancestors going back and back and back and back, and some of it some of it is inherited Communal trauma. Some of it is quirky optimism for no reason at all, but you just are. Hmm. And that just may be a hallmark of who you came from. And you can't deny that. So if I can't deny it in myself, who am I to try and deny it in the one I want to spend my life with? It's not going to happen. So that's number one. Number two, and it doesn't really matter how old you were when you got married. I was 40 when I got married. Okay. And uh my wife was 35 so we'd already had a chance to develop a big chunk of our adult selves but the truth is that i'm not who i was when i was 40 i've evolved i've learned i've grown i've i'm not who i was and you learn that neither of you are who you were on your wedding day you grow and you change and you evolve and you do this um, I'm making this motion of my hands swaying in and out apart like, from each other and near to each other. And the only thing I can think of is in figure skating, where a pair of skaters is skating away from each other and then towards each other. And it's called mirror skating. And, and, and relationships are like that flow in and out. There's going to be times when you feel close to the lo- your loved one and times when you are going to say, what am I doing with this person? This is crazy making. And it's just, guess what? It's like that because we are trapped in this limiting wingspan called the human body. And we're not people, I'm not a person who has a soul. I am a soul who just is in a body that gets, gets me around. But first and foremost, I'm a soul. That's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. The soul has to learn stuff every time. And so you acquire those lessons and you carry them with you. And they change how you engage with the world and they change how you communicate with each other a little bit. And. I mean, would I have married me the me? I mean, would would my wife have married me based on who I am today? I don't even want to try to answer that question. okay? (laughs) because I, too, I could I, too, am good at self indictment. But (laughs) but but the truth is that we both have to accept and allow for that change and that growth. And how you ride that out so that you're go so that you don't fly off the hat every time something disappoints you and go, oh, we're doomed. We can't do this starter marriage or whatever. I don't believe in a starter marriage. Either you're with the right person and you take the risk and you do the good work or you're not. You know, but those are the two big things. Yeah, we grow wow. and change. And we make room for that in relationship for both of us, you know.
1: Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry oh, to have hijacked you. Number the, three, oh, breathe. Number, yeah.
2: Keep breathing. <gasps> You'll be okay.
1: Right on. Yeah. yeah. Thanks.
0: I really appreciate that advice. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just keep breathing. <laughs> I, I
1: will say this. If I were to even look at myself from the outside 20 years ago, Like, you know, future me goes back and 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 looks at, at me 20 years mm-hmm. ago. I would not have believed that that person would turn into the person that I am currently. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think to sort of dovetail into, like, you can't necessarily marry somebody for what you think they're going to be, but you certainly can't marry them. And expect them to always be that person that they are in that moment either
2: no because that's unrealistic yeah. yeah yeah if you stay still you're dead totally that's it you can't be alive and not change
1: Hopefully. this got deep yeah, this- <laughs> yeah. No, I well it. i warned that you was it <laughs> was going to get kind of
2: deep and philosophical if you yeah. had me on or yeah. always does yes Yes. Yeah. You know. I'm I'm well, old, that...
0: mainly quiet because I like I'm leaving space for it. And oh, I'm nice. enjoying it.
1: Right on. Yeah. No. I. <clears throat> I mean. I. Yes. I asked you on specifically so we can tackle these hard hitting subjects. Get really deep in in into the muck and mire that is the human condition.
2: Did you put um, plastic down? No.
1: But okay. Don't make carpets, a mess. The carpets are Scotch guarded. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, you mentioned that you have been doing more songs about the human condition, and I feel like your your answer mm-hmm. to our initial question like leads us kind of nicely sort over of a, yeah. into that arena. Um, do you well, want to talk a little bit about that direction?
2: I think that because my songwriting was Well, okay. So, I've written music for instruments since I was in middle school. I've been composing instrumental music. I didn't start writing, you know, songs with my own lyrics until I got involved in Jewish communal life about 20 plus, a little over 20 years ago. And um, as I was trying to find my own voice as a songwriter, really as a poet, if you're writing your own lyrics, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as you're trying to find your voice, if you're doing it within the context of being in a community, you're also trying to find that context. You're trying to figure out your place in that communal context and how you express what you're experiencing as you're trying to find your voice. At least that's the approach I took. Um, because I am the extrovert to my wife's introvert and I, you know, I've, I've always overshared. Um, <laughs> When I was ten, which is what
1: makes you such a great podcast. Oh man! Well, you know, when I
2: was ten, it just made me look sad and desperate. But but now (laughs) it just now it just makes me look deep or something. Um, I grew up uh, pretty mobile, not terribly rooted in any community. Uh, My father's job when I was a kid was in food and beverage management for a hotel chain, and so we moved around a fair amount during my grade school years, and I. Uh, I think all of that hypermobility really has had a profound effect on me. It has made me a somewhat detached person, Mm. even as I have longed for a deeper communal connection. That sense of place. Yeah. You know, I have, I would say the last five to 10 years have been spent trying to come to terms with the dichotomy of what I want versus. The tools, and, uh, the tools and the filters and the observational skills that I've been given based on a hypermobile childhood that has helped to create a somewhat detached human being as an adult. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife has made this observation more than once. She said, you know, you jettison friends pretty easily. I said, well, you know, if they express to me that they do not wish to expend the energy and hold up their end of the communication, or they move to another country and they don't stay in touch, or they don't return my emails, or they don't return my letters, then they're telling me that they are they too are detached. And I'm not going to pursue that because life is short. We live in a hypermobile society that's been... um that has been helped along by technology, by our ability to travel farther and faster than ever before. Um, And one one of the real challenges that I find professionally is that there's almost no paying work for the kind of music that I do here in Portland. And so in order for me to find paying work as a freelance artist and educator in residence, in Jewish spaces, synagogues, rest homes, community centers, camps. Um, I have to go to where those places are, and they are mostly not in Portland. This is not a terribly Jewish town. Mm -hmm. Um, Of all the major cities on the West Coast, Portland has the lowest rate of Jewish institutional affiliation. We're not joiners. Oregonians tend to be four-year-old libertarians. No, Mama, I can do it myself. I mean, isn't it true? We don't herd well. We oh, don't we like don't. to be told how to do yeah. our shit. We just want to be left alone in the meantime, to do it. We also don't <laughs> want to tell others how to do it either. Oh, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> <laughs> not in the Jewish community. People will tell you all day oh, long. Okay. They will well, tell was, you. I was speaking mostly all the time. Like
1: Portland, Oregon well, that's sense, Portland, you know? okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um but but in the Jewish community they will tell you. <laughs> but if you're an Oregonian, you will ignore them because you don't hurt well. You don't, yes. Oh, come on. I mean, it's just that's the reality. <laughs> so, um so it's it's kind of like being the push-me-pull-you in Dr. Doolittle. Uh-huh. And I go back and forth all the time. Um, and I did that for a good 10 years of trying to build this career, recognizing only very recently that without having grown up in the gooey center of the Jewish bubble, mm-hmm. just having cracked the shell is a momentous achievement for someone oh, yeah. like me because I didn't grow up in it. Mm-hmm. and they're like you know because we have this thing called jewish geography and everyone plays it like where did you go to camp and who was your you who was uh, your yeah. who was your talmud torah teacher at this place and and who do you know in, and who do you know in new york who do you know in miami the two largest uh, jewish communities yeah. in the united yeah. states and and you're and i'm just like oh man I, I i went to gresham high school in oregon and my sister and i were the only jews in a school of 1500 kids mm. well why the hell were you there because that's where we lived, um, you know, yeah, 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 and, yeah, and you just past a certain point. I just got tired of having to explain myself. That's the other thing about getting older. You reach <laughs> a point where you just go, not only do I not care what other people think about me, but I don't care about expending the energy to explain myself to people who want me to do, who want that explanation so they can have more information by which to judge me. It's like, mm, whatever, yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're obviously somebody who who hasn't who works too many hours a week and hasn't ridden your bike enough or played played in your garden enough. Just go home, man. Go play with your kids. Don't bug me. You know, just go live your life. It's fine. I don't need you to sit here and judge me. Um, and I think that's also another byproduct of having grown up with all of these detachment lessons.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When I tour. You ask my friends who who also do this work. Yeah, they come with giant roller bags and carry ons, and the the there's like a giant. You know, they have the little roll on which goes on the plane, and the guitar that goes on the plane, and then they have like the, the the roller is like half the size of this table here. It's huge. I travel very light, and I always have because when you move around as much as I do, it did yes. yep. you learn? You're to gonna down. leave some stuff behind. Yeah. Yeah. And you either say, I'm going to own less stuff or you say, I'm going to be okay about the stuff I leave behind. Yeah. And I just and you take one of those two approaches and you become a conduit for stuff. I am a conduit for stuff. I found this shirt three days ago or no, I found this shirt this morning. Right. Yeah. I found the free box three days ago. And then I went back this morning Uh, to see if it was still there and the shirt was still there. And this wants me to wear more colorful. sure um and and it's like honey look she goes did you find that in a free box i said yeah you're gonna wash it yes dear Mm -hmm. you know um
0: totally well and yeah i i totally i absolutely agree with you like i was just thinking about i've been waiting like six months to try to get something to store like clothes in in our room and i just feel like well if it's meant to be it'll be on a free pile somewhere on a corner and then it will happen
2: like what's interesting is when i go to other cities They don't get it. They're not. I mean, with the exception of maybe Center City, Philadelphia, where you can get enough furniture to fill an entire apartment by just walking the curb on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I found all my furniture for graduate school at the curb in Center City, Philadelphia. And when I was done with that apartment, I put it all back down on the (laughs) curb and it was gone the next day. You know, it was great. but, But by and large. Most Jews live in the suburbs, in the uber-fancy suburbs, with homeowners associations. They're not even allowed to have clotheslines to dry their laundry by air. So, of course they're not going to have free boxes, because that's just like putting out your trash. What? And so when I tell them, you know, I scavenge, I do free boxes. In my youth, when I was a little... In my youth, when my knees were in better shape, I went dumpster diving on a regular basis. It's really hard to do with crappy knees. Um well, don't
1: worry, you can't do it now, anyways. Yeah. So it's 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 gotten so much hard. Yes. Well, <laughs>
2: oh, screw that. I'm, it, it's physically hard. <laughs> it, it's hard to climb up into those things oh, yeah. without a ladder. Okay. So yeah, I living here as a Jew is very challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Living here as an Oregonian is perfect for me because I get sustainability and I get. Creating a smaller, more localized, more intimate life where you actually get to know some of the people who live near you, and you do things in person to build connection with friends. Um, which is why, uh, in April, I did the Lads 500. Well, I I entered as a solo team and finished 68 laps, and I was very proud of myself. And then my knee blew up and screamed, ah! no. and I said, "I have to stop now." Okay, that was fun. But I saw all kinds of people I knew there, either for my years working in the bike shop or just folks I've seen around town. And it's this is how you this is how you build connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do stuff that you care about with other people where you live. And, you know, um, I will say and this is this is going to sound like an indictment of Jewish American life, but it's very hard to do that in the Jewish community if you are poor because the cost of admission to Jewish communal life is very high, and it's why I didn't grow up in the bubble. That My parents couldn't afford synagogue that sounds, membership. That sounds...
1: Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, contradictory.
2: Why? Because way. there are so few of us to begin with, and we should well, be bringing I everyone mean, in? I mean,
1: just uh, contradictory to to a, a sense of community and a sense of communal life, like being able... <clears throat> and again, like, like I also am not hoping this doesn't sound like an indictment either, eh. but but it, it just seems contradictory. Like if you want to have a sense of community,
2: I the believe, exclusivity of it well, would. would it's human, the it's human nature. It's human nature to want to gather people around you who are, who are like, like, like you. you. Yes, that's human nature. We we tribalize. We look for birds who are the same feather pattern as ours, because a varied thrush may look like a robin but only for purposes of camouflage. They are not going to ever get it on with a robin because the robin is going to go, ew, no, I don't date outside my 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 subspecies. Get <laughs> lost, right? We all do it. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what your orientation is. It doesn't matter how you move through the world as a gendered or non-binary, non-gendered person. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what religious path you walk or none at all. We all do this. We have done this for millennia. I don't see it changing anytime soon, not in a radical way. I think our attempts at multiculturalism and diversity training are well-intentioned, but none of them go deep enough to really explore the nuts and bolts of human nature, which compel us, to make the choices that we make about whom we associate with and until we have structures in place that are willing to get uh, to make us uncomfortable that are Mm. willing to force us to be uncomfortable with our human nature so that perhaps we adapt not physically but mentally and emotionally I think that there's an adaptation that needs to happen. There's an evolution of human nature that needs to happen. And until we compel each other to look at the sticky, gooey, uncomfortable stuff together, we're we're beginning to see some of those uncomfortable conversations happening finally Mm -hmm. with certain groups. um, Thanks to people who are trying to get Israelis and Palestinians to talk to each other thanks to people who are involved with you know various intercultural and interracial listening projects that's the kind of work that takes unfortunately lifetimes you know it's not we're not going to see that bear fruit in our life but we may see our our grandchildren may see it bear fruit if we commit to that kind of difficult work now i
0: think it's um it's interesting in talking about that because there are certain social mechanisms which can allow that to happen more frequently or less frequently. And one of the things I've been thinking about in Portland is the, uh, I don't think call out culture is the right term for it, but the, the very like flash in a pan or very like instant anger or instant judgment culture that makes a lot of that work very difficult. Uh, it's
2: a, It's high drama.
0: Yeah. Well, I like you were talking about is the gooey, the icky, the sticky, like, Both parties or any number of parties have to be okay being wrong and being wrong until you get an understanding of what actually uh, wrong means and what right could be or what some form of compromise could exist as. And I think that in a lot of interactions I've observed in Portland, it's oftentimes something that gets stopped short because somebody is um, criticized or, or maybe shunned, even though they're not necessarily asking out of a place of uh, mm-hmm. intending harm, but more out of a, a, a attempt to understand that that's maybe shut down too early.
2: It's been very... You raise such a good point here, and, and that is that there... I mean, we all know people who feel a need for the adrenaline rush, the very particular adrenaline rush that comes from what you refer as the call-out culture, which I think is a very apt... Name actually, they get an adrenaline rush from being the one who calls out or from being the one who is triggered and can then speak out very loudly about that trigger. Um, We all know people like that. We may all have behaved like that at some moment in our own lives. Okay. I'm willing to say that I probably have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again. if we are if we are hooked on the adrenaline rush of the drama, what is it that's missing? What's from our interactions or from our own personal lives or from our family dynamic? What's missing? What hole, what piece are we trying to find to plug a hole that we perceive as needing to be plugged? Um, how do we live? How do we live with the holes we can't plug?
1: No, no. I, I, I'm going to plug them all. No, yeah. no do it. Hey, no. so
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack this for a second. Yeah, please. Oh yeah. Hey, look at that. Oh hey, right? Just, <laughs> Speaking you know. of music. <clears throat> ten minutes
1: ago we spoke of music. That we did. <laughs> oh
2: god, music?
1: I think I think
0: um j- just before we, we turn to that page real quick, I I think there's some aspects of call out culture or the ability of people feeling that they can speak to that truth that are very important. I think maybe what I mean more is a
2: reactiveness that's present. So, Which is why I call it drama, because yeah. drama is so much about the reaction. Or it can also be about those who enjoy provoking because they seek a reaction of some kind. If sure. you don't give them a reaction, the provoke, the provocation falls flat. All right. <clears throat> so this is a song that is on my most recent release and the idea of trying to plug holes or how to learn with the holes we cannot plug um, reminded me of this song. It's um, I had a very complicated relationship with my mother. Oh God, don't we all? Yes. <laughs> Fine. Um <laughs> yeah right Uh, (laughs) yeah how many people have written songs about the complicated relationships they've had with their mothers it's so cliche i love you mom well you know uh, one of the one of the one of the benefits
0: we're we're adjusting some microphones
2: one of the benefits of having a deceased mother is that hopefully you've worked a lot of that stuff out by now because you have to um so no you're fine you're fine you're fine Yeah. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Okay. Honestly, you're going to pick up the guitar. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> So, my mom and I had a very complicated relationship. It was complicated in part by her extraordinarily difficult and damaging childhood. I never knew her parents. They were abusive and cold, and they, frankly, in my opinion, did not deserve the blessings that she represented to them. Um, And uh, I believe that my mother was, in spite of how damaged she was, was very strong, and through her own sense of, I am not going to do it the way my parents did, but we all say that. Guess what? We all make, we all make some of the same mistakes our parents made. Yes, we do. Um, that's how our parent, part of how our parents come to inhabit us. But we also, we also find ways to, to supplant that, to, you know, to work around it so that you can say, I'm, I'm going to find a way to make space in my life for the love that I need to know and express so that i can move forward in the world and i really i really think my mom did the best she could with that um we had a complicated relationship and she loved me anyway we had a complicated relationship and i loved her anyway and we loved each other ferociously sometimes um but uh, it's it takes a lot of guts to say i'm glad my mother is gone because she had to get out of the way for me to fully blossom as an adult. And I miss her. And both of those realities exist in the same moment. Okay? And that, I got to say, that's true for a lot of children who had complicated, damaged parents. Because she's your mom. You love her. You miss her. And if she were still here, you wouldn't be who you are, because... It's mom. Mom has like the overwhelming huge presence in your life. And there's just no way to get out from under that. Not completely. But the day that you become the grown up. Because there's a mom shaped hole in the world. Right? When your mom dies. There's a hole in the world shaped like her. And you can't plug it. You have to see what's in there. And so that was part of the inspiration for this song. And the other. Um, the song's called The Crack Jar. And um, that's inspired by the Japanese idea of kintsugi. Kintsugi is this idea that when when a vessel is broken, they don't throw the shards away. They collect up all the pieces and they mend the vessel and they aggrandize the cracks with precious metals. Because in that, they are putting out this idea that the vessel is more beautiful through use than it was when it was new. It's just as we are more beautiful for the miles that show on our faces. Because those, those, those cracks and those lines and those sunspots represent experience and time and wisdom. And those things make us more beautiful as we have lived. So this is called a crack jar. phone rang very late one night from someone at the home. You needed me to come down right away. So I got dressed and headed out, not knowing what I'd find. All they told me was you had something to say. Remembering the days when I was young and so confused and had to sort the world out on my own. Cause you were struggling too and didn't know just what to say To help us both feel a little less alone A crack jar buried in the earth will hide the cracks But cannot heal them, cannot heal them The only way I know for us to mend the bricks Is to reveal them if we reveal them, perhaps we'll take each other back in love. My brave face to the world, it hides the gouges in my heart and helps me hide from the scars I've left in yours. But no one's really fooled, least of all, that you or me so i've come hard and hand back to your door i sat beside your bed you looked so pale and very small as you asked me to forgive you all your sins you squeezed my hand and smiled and that was when i knew if i forgave you we could both begin again a crack jar buried in the earth We'll hide the cracks, but cannot heal them, cannot heal them. The only way I know that we can mend the bricks is to reveal them. We must reveal them so we can take each other back in love. The vessel that I am begins so shiny, bright, and new. It glistens from its perch upon the shelf. But life's little earthquakes make us wobble till we fall and find ourselves sprawled on the floor, bumped and bruised and sore. The cracks tell everyone what we've been through. Today you're gone and I'm still here A little worse for wear And I miss you more and more with every day The gouges in my heart shine With the golden glow of love And memories of you will light my way A cracked jar buried in the earth Will hide the cracks But cannot heal them Cannot heal them The only way I know that we can mend the breaks is to reveal them. If we reveal them, perhaps we'll take each other back. A crack jar buried in the earth will hide the cracks, but cannot heal them. Cannot heal them. The only way I know that we can mend the breaks is to reveal them. We must reveal them, so we can take each other back in love. Sweet so and can take each other back in love. I promise they're not all weepy like that, but <laughs> I
3: just get emotional
2: oh, it's, with it's, music. Uh... All right, yeah, yeah. Um, so. You-
1: I'm gonna kind of shoehorn a subject in, but by all I'm, means, by way of this segue here. So you tour a lot because, like we mentioned before, there's not a large Jewish community. There. I wanted
2: to do Jewish and music. You do a lot of
1: synagogues, which surprised me in the Midwest.
2: Well, okay. So part of the, so as as with anyone who makes their living as a freelance performing artist, so much of how you get gigs is. A, when you're starting out and you don't know, know anyone in a particular sphere or genre, you network like mad. You hustle your butt off like crazy. You, you know, I mean, it's the freelancer's curse. What day do you have? Yeah, I don't to take days off. If there's an opportunity <laughs> as I'm doing stuffing at the laundry, here's my card. Call me. You are, you're, yeah. you're on yeah. all the time. You know, you have to be, or you're going to miss out on a gig. And, because musicians get paid by the gig, not a salary. We not need every... hourly, not no. Yet. But I've worked hourly. I've either worked hourly or I've worked by the by the uh, job. Yeah, and that's a hard way to live. Yeah. But you, but that's if you're going to sign up to be a freelance artist, that's what you sign up for. Um, and the amount of energy that that requires. The mental energy, the emotional energy that you have to be on so that you can pounce on anything that vaguely feels like an opportunity. I was going to say smells like an opportunity, but I can't <laughs> smell. So, oh, right. You remember I was I yeah. was born without an olfactory yeah. sense, so I can't smell farts, kitty litter or Albany. Um, everything smells like air, which is sort of okay, <laughs> <laughs> right? That. Yeah, okay. I get that reference? Yeah, right. Um,
1: we'll just okay. leave it there. Oh, yeah, um, okay.
2: Tacoma, right? Fine. Okay, the Tacoma aroma, oh. which I guess is a thing. um So, so, but but if it, it feels even remotely like an opportunity, <gasps> there's a gig, ching, money, bills paid, happiness. You know, all these little scenarios are going on in your head. They all look like cartoon characters. And their eyes light up like dollar signs because now that your phone bill is paid for the next month, you know, that's what I'm reduced to as a freelancer. Hmm. That's what everybody who freelances is reduced to. So New York City doesn't need me, need me. There's like eight zillion Jewish people there. What do they need me for? (laughs) The synagogues that tend to hire me are the very small synagogues that cannot afford to bring a super famous top drawer player, some of whom charge $10,000 just to get out of bed. So. Right. I mean, it's just like completely inaccessible for a small to mid sized yeah, community. Yeah. And they should have guest artists and educators and stimulating programming as well. So I make myself available to serve those communities because the community that I'm a member of is not a super massively big community. I know what that's like. Yeah. So
1: um well, going back mm-hmm. to touring in the Midwest. You really so, want to know about this because well, less less about the Midwest. This is me trying to shoehorn another question. Speak. O oh, yes. lips. <laughs> so given current events. The climate
2: is different than what we remember it to be. Don't please don't sugarcoat this. Please don't. Please. <laughs> climate change. There's is real. nobody here with a stake in that that is going to jump on you. OK. okay? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Our our consumption of fossil fuels and industry's unwillingness to seek out non-fossil-fueled alternatives for energy and lighting and heat and building and everything else have contributed to our Earth heating up at an alarming rate. And depending so, yes, on which scientist this was, you this ask, was the question
1: within that have yeah, been Depending to on which in.
2: scientist you ask, we have fifty to seventy-five years left of human life on this Earth before it gets too hot. Or if you're Bill Nye and you like the PR, it's twenty. I mean, I don't know. God. IPCC
0: just put out for eleven years, and that was something wow. that you know. Right. Guess if, what? If you can get the IPCC to mm. agree on something. <laughs> It's, prob- <laughs> it's probably The not.
2: IPCC, which is?
0: The International Panel of Climate.
2: Uh... <sighs> concerned climatologists? No, no. Oh, they're not that concerned. Okay.
0: Shoot. I'm drawing a blank on the last C. Well, oh, see, fine. I was I'm hoping you'd close.
2: educate me because I- all I well, could think so of was the Independent, independent Publishing that's Resource Center, but that's up. so local. So I'm, regardless, I'm it's, v- anyway, it's
1: been an influence on you recently. It, well,
2: first of all, not only recently uh 10 years ago when i raced mountain bikes and i enjoyed it i uh i said you know this whole like drive putting a bike on the car rack so that you can drive to california to do this event and then you know i just no, man i'm i can't i'm going to go to local races that i can get to on transit and if i can't get to it on transit i'm not going to go which meant I was never going to race every race in the Cyclocross Crusade series. Okay, well, that's twenty five. That's twenty bucks a race I saved. Um, but it, but it just got to you know, and 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 in fact, Cyclocross Magazine did an article about how people get to races uh-huh. and how in the Northwest people really think about their their transportation oh, with really? an eye toward great. the environment. That's They're talking to Cyclocross racers and. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very niche demographic. Um, So, uh, so anyway, um, the, just, I mean, so I've been thinking about this for a long time. When I was in high school, I knew I didn't want to drive. I had no interest in driving. It didn't, the, the, the whole, the whole allure of the open road was not terribly alluring to me. I really enjoyed just walking and riding a bicycle everywhere. I flunked my first driving exam at seventeen and then told my dad, Will you please leave me alone now? When I need a license, I'll get one. But for now, I can get everywhere I need to go without a car. Yeah. And I had a car for three years because my dad couldn't get any trade in on his eighty one escort toward anything. Not even the used Cadillac that he would have fit into better. My father, of blessed memory, was six foot five mm. and three hundred pounds. He was he was a barrel chested opera singer. So um so why he was in an escort is beyond me. Anyway, he gave it to me for the cost of title transfer. I drove it for three years. It nickel and dimed me to death. Uh this was still, thankfully, back in the days when you could check the Chilton's manual out of the central library. And so I learned how to replace my own alternator and solenoid. I felt like such a rock star. Um, you know, because if you know how to work with tools, you know how to work with tools and you can yeah, just oh well yeah. that's a screwdriver. I can Okay, fine, that's great. Um
1: Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey.
2: Well, That's... mostly. Um, and, and, and I've always been good with my hands. <laughs> good point. Unless um, you like
0: French bottom brackets.
2: Swiss. Swiss will mess you up. Swiss bottom oh. brackets. They're wacky. <laughs> okay. Um, never own a Swiss bike. Um, so anyway, I, I said, you know what? This isn't doing it for me. And I sold it in 1990 over my father's stern objections. Um, and it wasn't starting at that point. And I said, I am not replacing the starter. My friend Maria came over. She said, if I can get it to start, I'll pay you 600 bucks for it. And I'm having a student, I'm having a private student for a drum lesson in my house. And she comes back in at the end of my student's lesson. I hear it. I, tur- I hear it turn over. And it sounds horrible, but it's running and it's skipping. You know, and it's like got to set okay. the points on the spark it's like, plug. Okay, that's two and a half cylinders there. Okay, and mm-hmm. she comes in. She's dirty. She pulls a roll of bills out of her overall vest pocket <laughs> and she hands it to me. Huh? Six hundred bucks. Bye. Wow. Got to go. I have a date. All right. Bye. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I'll send you the title. You know, and <laughs> I turned around and bought a, a trek mountain bike and a lock and a helmet and lights and a rain jacket. And I never looked back. And yeah. that was in nineteen ninety. Yeah. I have not owned a car of my own since. Now, because marriage is partially compromised, I do keep my driver's license current so that I can help with driving when we go down to Mendocino to see my in laws. That okay?
1: said though, the one time I was at your house, you I noticed your car has quite a nice patina. Of, of moss, moss. <laughs>
2: yes. oh! And if and if my wife hears this, she's going to be so embarrassed. Oh. <laughs> We've since had some I of say the moss that, I say that as
1: as a oh. part. Like, oh my this gosh, is, this is something you should be proud oh, of. Oh no,
2: fiber <laughs> artists want to come and peel the moss off the car so they can use it for natural dyeing of fibers. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. She, yeah, um, no, there's still moss on the car, but the truth is that we cannot. You can't keep doing the same thing hoping that things will get better. Right. You can't. That's just not how it works. And so, one of the struggles that I have always had because before I left the bike industry in 2012, I commuted by bike every day. If I wasn't feeling especially well, I would take the bus in because we have a transit system here. Um and with the combination of issues that I face in terms of my health, I'm amazed I lasted as long as I did working in the bike industry ten hours a day on my feet. I have Crohns I have IBS which is another it's inflammatory bowel syndrome I have so those are autoimmune issues I have arthritis uh, I have depression and the combination the intersections of all of these things I'm amazed that I lasted as long as I did in the bike industry physically speaking um but honestly, at the end of the day, I knew that it was something I couldn't sustain, which is why I decided to see how far I could go as a freelance Jewish musician in not very Jewish Portland, Oregon. And I I would say that based on how I live and where I live, I've done shockingly well. Okay? I would agree. I mean, I have trouble paying my bills, but a lot of people know who I am. And that is something. That said, between the energy required to hustle for gigs and the ever-changing professional landscape of the scene that I work in. And how much sleep I have lost with every air trip I've had to take. Uh, yeah, I don't fly for vacation. I don't fly. F- I don't do leisure travel. Leisure travel means I sit in the chase lounge under the maple tree at our, our house and I have lemonade. That's leisure travel. Is the time it takes for me to unfold the chair and walk it under the tree. <laughs> That's my leisure travel. Yeah. Okay. I travel for work. So, in some ways, that gets me off the hook, but it doesn't. Um, During the Jewish festival of Sukkot, it is customary to build a small temporary hut and you dwell in that hut for eight days, or at the very least, you eat dinner and have friends over every night for eight days. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's customary to order the four native species of Israel. They are wrapped together beautifully, bundled together. They are flown from Israel to your synagogue. You order them in advance. You pay 50 to 70 bucks for this bundle that's called a lulav and an etrog. And it's part of the ritual of Sukkot. You shake this, you, you feel these things that came from the land of Israel, and you talk about these things while you're having dinner in your sukkah, in your temporary hut. And after eight days, the hut comes down, and all that stuff goes in your compost pot right? So uh, the cost was beyond us at the time. The first year that we put a sukkah up, I said, we don't have 70 bucks to spend on this. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go to the park. I'm going to make a Northwest native lulove. And I cut a piece of vine maple from our yard. And I cut a Douglas fir from the park, a little tiny frond. And I found a Western cedar. And then I found a hemlock. But I didn't like that. So then I took a little tiny bit of Oregon grape and I said, there's my four species. But I still need something that looks like an oversized lemon. So I'll just take a seed pot, a seed cone. Just there it is. OK. And I took it home. We put it out. We invited our friends over. We invited my then rabbi over. He has since retired. And Joey, uh, Joey Wolf, wonderful man, great man. He is enjoying retirement in Portland. But he called me and he said, "What do you mean you're not going to have a kosher lulav at your sukkah?" (laughs) We didn't get one, Joey. We made up our own. What do you mean? And I told him, and he said, "Oh, Beth, he's from Boston. Is it the money? I'll get you one. You should fulfill this (laughs) commandment." And I said, "You know, Joey, I mean, yeah, partly it's the money, but but really, at the end of the day, it's the carbon footprint that's making me nuts. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay." to fly $70 worth of inedible vegetation from halfway around the world to my front yard in Portland, Oregon. I'm going to have it sit in my sukkah for eight days and then I'm going to cut it up and put it in my compost bin. Why? And he goes, I said, why am I contributing to that? That's, that's nuts. Do what you do where you are. So I'm going to just take native species and do what I do where I am, which is in Portland, Oregon, which is where I have lived most of my life. And, and he goes, but, but, but they're still going to fly the plane. I said, don't you dare talk to me about induced demand. That is utter oh, crap. Nice. That is utter crap. Nice. And he just went, oh, Beth, Beth, uh, Beth, Beth. He goes, I hear what you're saying, and I can't get on board with it. I said, so if you come to our house for dinner on Thursday night, bring a kosher lulab. Because all we're gonna have is chili and cider and our Northwest native Lulav. So you have to bring the one from Israel if you really need to do that.
3: Mm.
2: Okay. <laughs> you know, and mm. this and there's the thing. Yeah I could make the excuse, oh, I'm doing this for work. But that doesn't get me off the hook any more than induced demand gets any of the rest of us off the hook. Right. And when I combine this with the earth heating up, with my body becoming tired, with my emotional well-being being drained at how hard I have had to hustle over the last 10 years for gigs. You know what, guys? I'm exhausted. I'm more than exhausted. I'm exhausted in an autoimmune depressive way that only other (sighs) people with autoimmune and depression can understand. And that is why a year plus a little over a year ago... I met with a disability lawyer, and I said, I am going to pursue this. I waited two years to pick up the phone, even though I've been exhausted the whole time. And I didn't know if I was going to be honest about this, but you know what? This is America, and this is part of what people have to deal with. And the fact is that none of us are getting any younger. And first of all, having children is not a guarantee that there will be someone there to hold your hand when you're old. That is not a guarantee. Um, that said, I don't have children. So I needed to make sure that I would not be a burden for my younger wife when it came time for me to work less. And so, um, at some point I'll have a hearing and I may have more than one, who knows? This process is going to take several years. Um, and in the meantime, I'm looking at building relationships closer to home in the region where I live. So I'm going to try and get more stuff on the West Coast, more stuff in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm hoping to eventually scale and wind things down to a manageable level physically and emotionally. Yeah, And that's what I have to do. And, um, you know, and part of the deal here, this ties in not only to... How we move through the world with an environmental sense, but also with an economic sense. If I read one more wealth management ad in the pages of the New Yorker (laughs) magazine, I think I'm going to puke because they're not speaking to most Americans. They're not speaking to all of us who worked hourly wage jobs and never earned enough to save. You know, I don't have I don't have a retirement plan. I'm going to work and then I'm going to die. And that's okay. Because we're all going to die someday. And I think a big part of why everyone is freaking out about all of this is because we, as a society, do not have a healthy relationship with death. Hmm. I've made it a point to have a healthy relationship with death. I've made it a point to say I'm going to be present when my parents go. I'm going to be present when my friends die. During the AIDS crisis in the 80s, uh, I had several younger male friends. And it was... You know, I was older by a few years and I I had to make funeral arrangements for three different young men Mm. because they all died in their early 20s. If they had a boyfriend or a a partner, the boyfriend wasn't 21 and he couldn't do anything legally. And he'd say, we need you to come to Seattle and be the mom. And I said, where is so-and-so's mom? In Chicago, making phone calls on the sly while husband's not home, so he won't beat her for calling the son that they're not supposed to have contact with. In the end, one of the women sent me a blank check and said, fill in the amount for the cheapest cremation you can find and call me. And I said, are you planning to come? We're going to have a a little memorial. Nope, not coming. I can't come because there's no way I could travel without my husband and I can't. I'm sorry. You know, and so... I had to develop a relationship with the other end of the life arc. Yeah, and I feel like we all just really need to stop freaking out about death. That's well, that's you.
1: that's interesting because I think this sort of ties into—I don't want to say climate change denial. Because I don't think—I mm-hmm. mean, there there is an act of denial about it, but there's well, that's also extinction denial. <laughs> that's like death
2: denial on a grand well, scale. That,
1: yeah, that's that's sort of what, what I'm coming to is like. I think there's some of us who will still acknowledge that, yeah, climate change is, is real, but then not necessarily go through the steps in our personal lives. Yeah. Like like you mentioned, the lulov, like that's just one tiny little thing. It's a little piece of shrubbery and it's tiny. And in the grand scheme of your life, you know, what is the carbon footprint in the grand scheme of things? Probably not a whole lot. But how how many other things are like that that we overlook because we're we're in this death denial or or like extinction, you said, extinction denial? denial well, there's like, a fabulous. It'll, it'll, it'll yeah. figure itself out. It'll you know I, I, I are... approach a lot of problems like this. This is this is Aaron confession time. I approach a lot of problems with uh, just give it some time. It'll figure it'll figure itself out. Of course, it doesn't. It'll I figure
2: do itself out yeah. until you get to the place in your life. Where there's more of your life Mm. behind you than ahead of you. Yeah. And when you get to that point, you begin to realize what haven't I figured out that I must pick up and figure out.
1: But I think as a whole, you know, going back to sort of the the gooey stuff of human nature, you know, this this denial of the consequences or this this denial of the consequences of our own actions. Yeah. You know, um, we don't want to take those steps because. We're just hoping uh someone will figure it out, someone somewhere, or it'll just figure itself out.
2: We have to leave a planet to our children and grandchildren so they have something to work with, or there will be nothing left to figure out. Yeah. And, you know, birth uh birth date wise, I kind of straddle the line between baby boomer boomer and gen X. I was born in nineteen sixty
1: three. I straddle the other end of that yeah. line. Yeah. So
2: Um, and, and so honestly, you know, you can take the nihilist approach and say, oh, it's all going to go to hell anyway. What do I have to worry about? You know, or you can say, if I don't worry about it, I'm responsible too. When I was fly, when I, you know, as, as flying so much for this career, more than I ever flew before, when all I did was ride a bike or take the bus to work. I was agonizing over it, and I still kind of do. And my wife, and my sister, and other friends are like, compared to what your carbon footprint was before, it's like you were saving up for this. I said, "No, you can't it look at it that, that way. way." Yes, this, this is, is like carbon offset. It doesn't work. This, this that is not way. a zero sum game. Yes. This, yes. these every every choice we make has consequences. But I would say it also goes much farther. Because if we if we leave the conversation there, then we're putting the onus on the individual. And the onus cannot be placed on the individual. Yeah, no. The onus has to be placed on the governments and the industries that are responsible for the greater percentage of climate change through their choices, through their policies, through their agreements with each other, which have to be changed, which have to evolve. We expect each other to evolve in a de- in a long-term relationship. Why do we not expect the same thing of the people of we vote into office? We, we, and, yeah. why do we not demand that they evolve?
0: Good, good questions worth asking. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, perfect segue. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was IPCC. Yes. The definition Thank I forgot. Thank um, Yeah. It, the a- acknowledgement of, I like, so. Full disclosure, environmental studies degree, uh, oh. and I think about these things a lot. Like I, yeah, same deal. Flight's the biggest one I, on a personal carbon footprint level. Like that—that's about the biggest it gets in terms mm-hmm. of something you can can do on a like hop out your door daily basis. Um, wow, I think I think you hit it on the money though. About you know, kind of finding a place where you're not like ashamed of yourself and not like necessarily. Uh, like you, we were talking about judging one's selves and that kind of deal. Like it's important to to live life in in a way that like y- you don't hate yourself for what you. <laughs> oh honey, you had, you didn't <laughs>
2: grow up with Jewish guilt, did you? I uh, I've got no. a, plenty of
0: my own guilt. Okay, but, okay. <laughs> um, you know, th- but yeah, the more su- the systemic things that we can focus on. Um, I th- I think we have time for one more song. Yes, than...
1: I was hoping for one more. Excellent. song. Excellent. Yes, one yes. more and... song.
2: And I think we're going to do something a little more upbeat since we talked about the Jewish holiday of Sukkot, which is where we honor the impermanence of life, which is a way of getting away from death denial because we observe this festival in the fall when leaves are turning Ah. and when, uh, that's good, that's good, that's good. Yeah. When the leaves are turning and it's fall and things are beginning to, to shrink down and decompose into new forms. I don't say they go away. They they become new forms. They evolve. So this is called Harvest of Love. The wind rattles the leaves above my head And blanketed walls sway to and fro With every chilly gust, we sit inside and try to trust that the whole thing won't fall down and crash below. The fir tree and the cedar drop their needles down and birds fly home in the fading light. We sit inside this hut, stare across at our warm house and wonder what the point is all about. All about. Life can be short But that doesn't mean that we can't make it sweet With the work of our hands and some help from above We'll gather in a harvest of love We'll gather in a harvest of love We like to make our soup a bit too thick Cause we have faith that God will provide When it rain begins to fall It drips into the pot And we can eat till we are satisfied When we're done we huddle all together We laugh and joke and sing a song or two When the cold wind blows We each grab a pole To keep our hut from flying far from view far from view life can be short but that doesn't mean that we can't make it sweet with the work of our hands and some help from above we'll gather in a harvest of love we'll gather in a harvest of love After eight days we will take the hut down Store the blankets and the poles until next year And nestle by the fire in our safe strong house Warm and dry and grinning ear to ear But there are those who have no home to go to Who live without warm clothes or a decent meal We must share our plenty so while we'll have enough and our harvest of love will be real let's be real life can be short but that doesn't mean that we can't make it sweet with the work of our hands and some help from above we'll gather in a harvest of love life can be short But that doesn't mean that we can't make it sweet With the work of our hands and some help from above We'll gather in a harvest of love We'll gather in a harvest of love
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this evening, Beth.
2: My pleasure. And Thank you for having me back. And uh, um, be sure you uh, send me the link when this goes live. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely.
1: Beautiful. And how would you like if if you would like people to get in touch with you? How can people oh. can our listeners get in touch with you?
2: Well, pres- pres- okay. So my name is Beth Hammond, H A M O N, and you can find me under Beth Hammond Music on Facebook. I have a Beth Hammond music page on Facebook. Right. Now. I do also have a website and you can find links to it there. Um and I would love to hear from you. So look up Beth Hammond Music. I do not respond to messages from the general public at my personal Facebook page. So you ha- it make sure you have the word music on the end. Beth uh, Hammond okay. dash Beth Hammond dash music.
1: All right. Well, first up on our calendar as well, I was gonna say as always, but that this is actually just a seasonal thing, but we've been talking about it for a while now. The shift two bikes dot org has Pedalpalooza calendar already posted. <laughs> yes That's
0: Shift the number two bikes.org.
1: org. Go look it up. Get your schedule for June yep. already. Print
0: calendar's out.
1: It's happening. Um someone had asked me last night uh what what rides he's like what rides should I go on? I was like, all of them? <laughs> Whatever looks good. Yeah, take a look. <laughs> like, Does just, that ride look fun? Just go just on look, it. Yeah, just look yeah. at the calendar. That's,
0: that's really the wonderful thing about it is the variety of which I, is offered. I'm
1: flattered that like he thought I was some sort of authority on like what the good rides are, quote unquote good yeah, rides. They're, like, all they're, good. they're all good rides, but also like I don't know what you yeah. like. Do like,
0: you want to go on the grunge ride? Go on the grunge yeah. ride. You go on like Kate the... Bush?
1: There's been a Kate Bush ride for like <laughs> nice. five,
2: ten years. You know? Has anyone contacted her? <laughs> they <laughs> right? should tell her, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. That would be awesome. Like Kate Bush, like just incognitos her own ride.
2: <laughs> that, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, nice. How hilarious would it be
1: that she's on her own ride and no one recognizes <gasps> her? Like...
2: <gasps> oh, my gosh. I mean, that would probably
0: be perfect for her.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I, I can dream. <laughs> <more
1: convenient>.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second Thursday of every month is the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis.
1: The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party.
0: Also, the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party.
1: Also, also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party.
0: And last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party.
1: The first Saturday of every month. Which would be June first, by the way. Heck yeah. The civil unrest ride. Ooh.
0: And every second Sunday of every month, right here in Portland, the Corvidai Bike Club ride.
1: <coughs> <coughs> June eighth, the Brooklyn Scavenger Hunt. The- oh, this is a new one. Yes, the Brooklyn Scavenger Hunt at 1 PM at Brooklyn City Park. That's put on by a good friend Maria Sure.
0: And June 8th, the Alley ride, shortly thereafter, or if for some reason you need to hit both, 2 30 PM. Also on June 8th is the Peninsula Park, or meets at the Peninsula Park Rose Garden Fountain. I should probably say the name of the ride. It's the alley ride. Yes,
1: put on by Kirk. Thank you so much, yeah. our good friend Kirk. Um, And June 15th, the Analog Alley Cat. That is an alley cat without your digital phone.
0: No phones allowed.
2: Wait. I was supposed to do the first one with digital? Uh, oh The first gosh. one's just an alley ride. You ride through the yeah. alleys. Yeah, but... The other one's an alley cat. You get your... One is, all one is you optional, your, the other
0: is not optional. All
2: of my rides are non-digital, guys. <laughs> nice.
0: Well, you'll be right okay, at home. Okay,
2: this makes... Oh, my I, I get gosh. What you're going to. <laughs> See, digital yeah. native yeah. versus digital tourist. Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> July 20th is the Gorge Pedal.
1: Uh, We have some upcoming Film by Bike tour dates... June twenty-seventh and crested butte, Colorado. June twenty-ninth, Dallas, Texas. July twelfth, Detroit, Michigan. September fifteenth, Missoula, Montana. October. 4- hey, Maria, my niece. You can ride your bike to the September 15th, Missoula, Montana. What what? That's, the bike that we put together. That's you can perfect. ride it to film by bike. That's
2: perfect. Don't forget to call me later. Oh. Okay, yes. email me. Yeah.
1: October 4th, Bendigo, Australia. November 3rd, Akron, Ohio and now for what can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike i like my bike it's fast i like my bike it's fast i like my bike it's
0: fast it circles around the city lights from annalisa vandenberg why every cyclist needs a pool noodle
1: this got a lot of traction with my friends yeah my sister and, sent me this article. Yeah. Oh, this and got five a lot of my friends sent me over. this article. So, this is how I know. Like, man, congratulations, <laughs> yeah. Annalisa. You've, you've freaking made it. You like, even my non bikey friends were sending yep. this to yep. me. Well,
0: I texted her back and I was like, you know that I know this person, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. oh, what? <laughs> oh, man. Hi, Annalisa. Hope that uh, the tour is going man. well. Man. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> to you and Eric. Mm hmm. Um, the hard truth is that bicycles are still largely seen as a nuisance on the road. We're on the margins, literally. Cyclists are reminded of this every time we get skimmed by a car. According to the World Health Organization, over half of international traffic deaths involve vulnerable road users such as cyclists. And because Americans are among the least avid cyclists in the world, they're among the most likely to get killed by a car. Ooh.
1: Yes. Driver. Um, so why every cyclist needs a pool noodle, mm-hmm. feel she like this is... mounts one to her back rack, mm-hmm. not long ways, but width ways yes. with about three feet yep. on the,
2: it's like a permanent left turn the, signal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's, it's allowed, g- allow drivers to give her the space that she needs.
0: I'm of yeah. like two minds, and the one is like the hardcore, like, we shouldn't have to do we this. We shouldn't mind. need this. <laughs> yes. My no, that's,
1: that's always my gut reaction. <laughs> my sister's yeah. like,
0: Have you done this? Would you do this? And I was like, Yeah, with a poleaxe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there, yeah, yeah, was yeah. there's it also at all. that part of me. Like, this <laughs> is yeah. the man
2: who told me earlier he's the quiet one. <laughs> yeah. It's a poleaxe. Well, you know, speak. <laughs> You just, tra- carry a big yeah, you just <laughs> trashed your reputation as a peacenik okay
1: yeah like i want a pool noodle but i there's this but i part want a pool
2: noodle that really says something you know,
1: i you know, want it like, to be a bludgeon if i need it's a pool noodle with panache yeah did you well you know there's this part of me that's like you know there's going to be that that driver out there that doesn't care that you have a pool noodle and is going to skim you anyways it's like well you know that's why the poleaxe. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, just to be clear, I have not put a poleaxe on the back of my bike. <laughs> Thought about it.
2: Though so if you do, we'd like to see photo evidence because so it would good. look right, great. So
0: yeah, um, Yeah. no, I mean, it's legit strategy. And at the end of the day, if it keeps you alive, it keeps you alive. And that's yes. a good thing.
1: Next, we have some sad news. We do? Yes, the Bowie versus Prince ride has oh. been canceled. I was one line no. down. It was. Oh, yeah, yes, I know. Was, I was like <laughs> so excited because it it,
2: it, it originally was with... going
1: to be like permanently retired. Mm-hmm. But then they came back this year and we we're like, oh, my gosh, they're doing it again. that's so great. But um, well, I'll just just read the blurb here. Uh, Lillian says, yes, unfortunately we had some permitting changes that we are not able to get a legal and safe location. However, the epic Purple Rain sing-along in Pioneer Square that same night, um, is still on. So please ride your bike to the sing-along and enjoy. What date is that? That is... I
2: don't have right in front of me. There's I can't believe date. I don't have but that. It's... You know where
0: you can find that date and all of the other dates for all what's happening in June? All of the other pedal palooza
2: rides. They but... did not pay me to be here. I just, I'm not a plant, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
0: They don't pay us. Either. Right, we just, exactly. we just like pitching. Well, they
2: did. They did get me the ginger beer. Yes. But, okay. Well,
0: that's th- thanks yes. to the beer mongers. Um, Thank you.
1: Southeast Division and twelve.
0: What? Uh, yeah. So where can
2: we find all this cool stuff? Well, Guthrie?
0: you can go to shift two the number two bikesorg and check out the Pedal Plaza calendar or in your local store or other grocery. They have a print calendar out as well. So check mm-hmm. it out. Carry one in your back pocket just in case you've got a spare hour. That's nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: And an extra paper. Yes. Uh, hey, from the Pathless Pedaled, they're finally putting this baby to bed. Yep. How to pronounce the word P A N. N i e r.
0: Mm-hmm. They found the
1: editor of the. This is so great. Yeah, this is where I stopped. I had to stop. I had to go to work. Oh, gotcha. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this well, is where I stopped watching it. That I, they found this guy. I
0: don't even want to spoil it fully because I feel like it's such a good watch. They okay. found
1: the right person yes. to like they say f- like I am the authority. This is how it's going to be pronounced. Yeah, I I believe- to parler say? What
2: to parler say. <laughs> Oh, I'm
1: not uh, the authority. Unpe- <laughs> uh, okay, un petit peu. Non pas.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, I believe it was the uh, French-English dictionary editor for the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Yeah. Uh, Wait, that's a job? Who is no, also, by the way, a road cyclist like, oh, through well, and through. there um, you go. And he's like, well, you have talked or found the right person. So, yeah, great chat, 10-minute video. Absolutely worth your time. Um, and, and now
2: now that we've heard this, you kind of really need to go and check it out. Yes, right? And next Definitely. time
0: somebody uh, corrects you and you're saying P-A-N-N-I-E-R, you can just smile and uh, point them to a certain YouTube link that has the information available for them.
1: And we'll have that link on our site. That we will. Um, hey, from, from TriMet slash Hop, um, hey, the Hop, which is... TriMet's uh, go-to card system or ticket system that they uh, are implementing—it's now available on iPhone and Android, which it was only available on Android at first. Oh, was it? Yes. So I've... this is this is a new announcement. So, gotcha. Portland listeners or people who are visiting Portland and are wondering how do I digitally, digital, uh, how do I d- digitally use their ticket system? Mm-hmm. It is now available on iPhone.
0: Also, shout out to a local Portland cyclist. Woo! Paula Funitake is officially a humanoid of surly.
1: Yeah, really? the wow. surly blog did a did a profile on Ooh. Paula Funitake.
2: Wow! Yeah. Gosh. I'll send also you the link. Yeah. Yeah, is,
0: yeah, yeah. So, shout Woo! out! Thanks for listening and supporting the show, Paula. And we are so pleased to see that come into our mail
1: slot.
2: Massive stokage. Hey. Speaking of mail,
1: oh yes, that. We got mail. Hey, we got mail.
0: Nation says, really digging the most recent episode, by the way. I started listening after Guthrie had started. Thanks for oh. listening, Nation.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, we have a voicemail from Ben Flores. Let me see if I can get it to play. All right, in the meantime.
0: Ride leader Gregory Braithwaite reports. Hi, folks here's some media from the ride of silence last night super small turnout largely and understandably due to weather and extreme forecasts that never really materialized they really tied it in to our friend josh alper which was nice um and it's a link to a ksbw.com article talking about the ride of silence oh yes which was about two weeks ago
2: i believe that's may 21st usually
0: Yes, that's
2: that's when it happens. Like everywhere. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
0: National, I Mm -hmm. think for sure. International, I I am assuming. Um, We also had some people describe what Pedalpalooza is like. For those who haven't experienced a question posed on uh, Pedalpalooza's website, Sticker Ninja says, Portland at its finest. Uh, Another user says, they are people-led rides, usually with a theme anywhere in the city and at any time of day and are lots of fun, madcap, zany, self-expression while riding. Music. Chris N. says, a month-long bike ride that briefly pauses to get rest and refresh for more biking. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Maria Schur says, a frenzy of bike fun in Portland, Oregon, where anyone can lead any sort of ride. Maria's leading a couple sorts of rides for this one coming up. Looking forward to going on those. Uh, Rebecca S. says, Star Wars versus Star Trek ride going down the street one way, and then the unicorn ride turns into the street coming from the other direction, and then they meet in the middle, and there's an impromptu duel between a giant rainbow unicorn staff and a lightsaber. That is Petalpalooza.
2: (laughs) I think that's pretty good right there. Yeah,
1: that's a good encapsulation. All right, here is Ben Flores' voicemail. Hey, Sprocket Podcast, this is Ben Flores. Hi, Ben. I just wanted to reach out and say thank you so much to all your listeners that donated, uh, to all the listeners who gave support, to the Crockett Podcast who gave support. I just finished the 20-mile Helen David Relief Fund charity ride along Oahu's gorgeous North Shore. Again, many mahalo. Thank you so much, guys, for contributing, for supporting a beautiful benefit. One love. Stay on your bike. Shoot. <laughs> Thank you for calling, Ben. And yes, thank you listeners for supporting him in this charity ride. Yes. I'm, I'm glad we were able to sort of boost his signal.
0: Indeed. He, good ride for a good cause.
1: We've reached the end of all things, haven't we?
0: That we have. Wow. Thanks for hanging with us, Beth. Yeah.
2: Oh, what a delight. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Aaron, thanks for inviting me back. Oh, you're this you're was great.
0: Thanks for playing music.
2: Anytime. Have let, guitar. Or we'll travel.
1: <laughs> we'll have to get you back on so that you can catch up to Tim Mooney.
2: You know what? He's Any, in the
1: double digits. You have now, to though. show me
2: how to run the controls, but anytime you want some help, like a sub, because you like had to go back to Stub Stewart or something, right? <laughs> just let me know. I I'll will, sub. I will hold you to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just have to teach me how to handle the electronica.
1: Cool. Yeah. It's it's so much easier than you think.
2: Okay. Um, all right.
0: The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio. Thanks to the generous support of
1: Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to the at gmail.com. Call or text 2503-847-9774. Twitter
0: and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast.
1: Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music.
0: Bird for our headline sounder.
1: Marcus Norman for graphic design.
0: And thanks to our sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Katrina Mellingard.
1: Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson,
0: Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Glenn. Tim
1: Mooney. Well, Glenn Kubish, sorry Tim, <laughs> Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss,
0: Todd Parker, Dan Gebhart, who's a time, time traveler. traveler, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom,
1: Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, two more days and you're here permanent,
0: Andre Johnson, King of Vision,
1: Richard G, Guthrie Stroud, who's sitting across from me, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Re-Granary.
0: good to meet you last week Aaron, Campsite, Macnurse David, Nathan Poulton,
1: Chris Ross in Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy,
0: Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman,
1: Harry Hugel, E.J. Finnerin, Brad Hipwell, Thomas
0: Skato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom,
1: Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner, Jason
0: Optenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore,
1: Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron. Barron, Chris, Chris Baron,
0: Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite, thanks for the mail.
1: Yeah. Ryan Moro Jimmy Diesel sorry Jimmy Diesel Dude Luna
0: Matthew Rooks (laughs) (laughs) Ka Marshall Paula F. Cyclecraft congrats on the article
1: (laughs) Philip M. Spartan Dale no relation Mr. T. Who Never Really
0: Left Bike Initiative Kiwana. Sarah G. Adam D.
1: and our newest patron Go Dig a Hole and all of our former donors who helped us get this far
0: now brush your teeth and go to bed